you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. That's hooey and applesauce. Three words for that. Who, la, and la. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Oh, it's gangbusters. Damn a shake in In FL and Dave. Damn a Hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? Hope all's well wherever you are. Getting you ready for the Super Bowl. We're in between. I guess we're waiting for the Pro Bowl. What a, don't don't let me jump over that all important game. I'm joined right now as we uh, as we pack our bags and get ready to ship out of Southern California over to the Hoosier State, where I lived for four years. By the way, I'm going to show you my Indianapolis. Adam Rank. Let's break it all down here. By the way, welcome to episode number 49 of the Dave Damashek football program. Available on iTunes. Subscribe, won't you? Rank. We've got a couple yes, other sir. fellas in here. We'll get to them in just a second. Okay. But uh, before we jump ahead to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. I'd like to spend a little bit of time with one last look back at Goat Sunday. I mean, Goat I, this, Sunday is what we're calling all, it. Now. I don't know. Okay, well, if you have a better name for it, no, uh, I like it. throw no. it at me. But, I mean, a day of days... Yes, special for the two teams that survived in their fan bases, but the the takeaway message from from last Sunday's games, as far as I'm concerned, is if I were a fan of either one of those teams, I'd have a hard time coming back for 2012. I might yes. need to take a year off. Even a year after, off. Of the not- disgust I would feel after those games. I mean, I think we saw some iconic moments that 10 years, 20 years, and that's what I like about will be the, NFL films type gra- material. Yes. I think we will the, we will hearken back to these moments as all-time blunders. I think mm-hmm. when, you know, everybody loves to make their lists, including you and me, I think when we look back on the all-time blunders in NFL playoff history, I think the three moments, and obviously I think we can all conjure what those three moments are. The three were. moments are, yes. Kyle Williams. Kyle Williams. Lee Evans. Mm-hmm. Billy Cundiff. We're going to okay. talk about it in just a second here. But what uh, was the most egregious to well, you? What's the one that's going to You know what? Let's out. open it up, Rank. Let's open it up right here. Coming up next week, we're going to be in Indianapolis, uh, like I say, Wednesday through Friday, though. NFL.com live, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. That makes it uh, 10 to 1 uh, Pacific time. Go to NFL.com, NFL.com live. It's going to be you. It's going to be me. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Jason Smith, who's seated right there and uh, and right across from me as well. E.H., Elliot Harrison, a motley crew. <laughs> and uh, but it's going to be a gay old time. Are we going to have one of those band photos, you know, where you like one guy's looking off into the distance and. 
Somebody's wearing a goofy hat. Oh, look, hey, no, Harrison's already doing that. Not like a band. I'd like, you know what I think would be cool if you guys would be good with it, because obviously your your rooting interests don't align with this. But I suggested what's a great image is from Super Bowl ten when the uh, steel curtain, the original steel curtain, right. runs out onto the field for the introductions and they stand uh, four wide there. I think put our faces on that. I think that would be a great promotional image for, for uh, Wednesday through Who's Friday. Who's Dwight White? If you'd like to be Dwight White, you can lay claim to that one right okay. now. I'd like, I'd like to be Fats Holmes, although I wouldn't want to take that. That really makes sense. <laughs> All right. Yes, of course. Anything that gets my mind away from, because this is, this is the wor- for me, this is the worst Super Bowl ever. 2007 was bad. Mm-hmm. When, as a Jet fan, I had to watch the Giants and the Patriots. All I thought is, okay, someone's going to lose. Now, I'm actually going to be there. I'm going to be covering the game and talk to people, and i got to watch the Giants and the Patriots. It's going to be really, What's really hard. What's the worst outcome for you? What is the one? What is... Because <clears throat> I this have... Is classic. This is really, yeah. as they say, the tagline for Alien versus Predator. Whoever wins, we lose. We this lose. really is for the Jets fan. This is the, the only way it gets worse as if somehow during the Super Bowl week, Peyton Manning signs with the Dolphins. That's the only thing that could make it worse. But you got to get off this Peyton Manning to the Jets <laughs> thing, by the way. I just said Manning to the Dolphins. I Listen, get off of it. Matt Flynn is where you want to go with that. Oh, Matt Flynn's going to be too much money. It's going to be $40 million. Do you desire Peyton Manning going to oh, the Jets? Absolutely. Are you kidding? Oh, if I can get ridiculous. Peyton Manning for the next three years? Uh, yeah, so wait. yeah, like he's going to play three years. You don't not want, happening. You don't, you'd rather have Mark Sanchez than Peyton Manning. I said Matt Flynn. That's that's my answer. Well, it's not going to be Matt Flynn. That's what I'm saying. Hold Give on it. a second. Hold on a second. Peyton Manning going to the Jets. Don't Elliot Harrison. Isn't this wrong? Now, you and I happen to sit in a luxurious spot. I, as a Steelers fan, you as a Cowboys fan, maybe we're playing with house money. And so we can't understand the plight of a Jets fan, a long suffering <laughs> Jets fan. But to me, this is morally and ethically wrong as a fan. You can't root for the guy who has put you down over the years to then come to your team as your savior, yes? Well, if you're Jason Smith and you're a Jets fan, sure you can. No, no, no. I, the example I always use is people say, well, you uh, I, you know, you wouldn't mind uh, if, if, a team put, if a guy put your team over the hump. Let me tell you something here and now. Let me be very clear. If, as a Steelers fan, you could tell me the, the Steelers would go 1-15 or they could win a Super Bowl by signing Ray Lewis and dropping him into the middle uh, of their defense. I would say, give me the one in 15. I don't want that. I have no interest but in you, that. But you named it, though. You said you're playing with house money. So you would, yeah, absolutely you would feel that way. Let me t- put it to you How this way. How desperate could on, Jason Smith on. be that he would let take me, that? Let me oh, explain. Very desperate. Are you kidding? Look, we let beat Manning ex- in the playoffs two hold years on. ago. That's okay. True. Let me explain how it is. Now, back in the 80s when Joe Montana got shipped out of uh, San Francisco, if you were to put him in the Rams – I would have worn a 16 jersey. I would have bought it. I would have been all for it. But go back to the NBA when Carl Malone and Gary Payton came to the Lakers. I hated that. I had nothing to do with that team. I was secretly happy that Carl Malone didn't win a ring. So I see it from your perspective. If you have that house money, as you say, and your team's winning championships, yeah, you don't want to soil yourself by doing such a thing. But if you're desperate and you have a, if you've seen a guy like Dieter Brock play quarterback oh, for your team, good for you. You would want Joe Montana to come in and play. You, you know who Damashek is? Damashek is, is. You know how rich people never talk about money. Right. Yes. Rich people never talk about it. Why? Because they have it. So yeah. they never talk about it. He Dan doesn't Shack understand. Don't understand. We have championships. What's, We're in the AFC What's the, what's Super the Bowl baseball equivalent year. for the Pirates? What would like if Albert, if Albert Pujols came to the Pirates, you would take him? After he's downed your team for so many years, it's interesting because it is hard for me to feel like this, the Pirates have a rival. They're so they're, they're such rubbish. The only thing that they're, they're comparable to is the KC Royals. There's, I, mean, it, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't even know what the correct answer is. To Ryan this. Howard, maybe. I mean, there really isn't, there really isn't no. a rival. So it's hard for me to answer that question. So I, I but in hockey terms, I wouldn't want, uh, I wouldn't want Alex Ovechkin but again, suiting up with good. the Penguins. That's not good because the Penguins are good. All right. It's interesting fair. about it is that for half a year, Steelers fandom, you've had you had Terry Bradshaw for fourteen years, you had Ben Roethlisberger for eight years, Jason Smith has had Richard Todd, Pat Ryan, Ken O'Brien, Glenn Foley, Browning Nagel. Uh, I mean, no, Vinny Testaverde. Don't forget yeah, Neil Ray O'Donnell Lu- after the yeah, Super Bowl. Ray, Ray Lucas. I mean, you can just go on. Ken and O'Brien on. wasn't bad. Wasn't bad, but but when you're holding that up as the standard, then then I can totally understand it. And I think one more thing, Jason, that's interesting is that people talk about Peyton Manning always kicking the Jets' butts. Well, not exactly, because Peyton Manning's most signature loss in my mind is the forty-one to nothing 
wild card in 2002 yeah. when Vanderjack came out and, and said that Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy didn't have the look of winners. So I don't know that Peyton Manning's always he was the right Jets by butt. the way. Yeah. But he, and here's the thing, and here's what I look back, and here's where Dave, I think you can see my point. I'm 41 years old. Okay. Really? When I was 13, I know I, I look like I look like I could play 40. I would have said 50. <laughs> when when I was 13 years old, the Miami Dolphins drafted Dan Marino, and I had to watch him run my division for 17 seasons. He got hurt that one year. Right. So 17 years. So that takes me till I'm almost 30. All right. Mm-hmm. He retired. I had that one year in 2000 where we missed the playoffs, didn't make it. Okay, great. Then in 2001, right, Tom Brady steps in. We knocked Drew Bledsoe out of the game, and now Brady's run the AFC East for the last dozen years. Since I'm 13 years old, I'm looking at two out of the top five quarterbacks of all time. I'm ready to move on. I'll take Peyton Manning. All right, that's a that's, that's a fair understand. point. I relate to it. It must it must stink to but be yeah. to, but, to be a have not your entire life. It but is. They're not going to get him. You know, and Richard I, Todd, we've talked about it on the show. I think uh, Jason Smith, the last time you were uh, in on the podcast, we yapped about it. It's got to sicken you that Richard Todd is the is the reason you guys didn't even get to a Super Bowl. That team was was better was was superior to teams that knocked them off in the playoffs because of Richard Todd. The AJ Dewey three pick game is the, is is the one that yeah. Stands but out. that game that game always I got such a, a craw that sticks in my in my head go. from that game field conditions because Here we go. that week was a monsoon <laughs> in in Miami all week and the whole thing was we had a high flying offense mm-hmm. and the Dolphins had the killer bees they're no name defense they had no offense at all they were all defense. League rules say you are supposed to cover that field when there is inclement weather. But the Dolphins decide, well, the Jets are coming to town. they got a great offense. We're going to leave it uncovered all week, which is why we had the mud bowl. The Jets couldn't do anything. Richard Todd couldn't complete a pass. We lost 14 nothing. More to A.J. Dewey mm-hmm. than everybody else. If league if they follow the rules of the league, we win that game. Care. We go to the Super Bowl care. and we win. You Man. know why? I, you know what? Too bad is my answer to that. The the soft spots at at, uh, at at the old Boston Garden on the parquet floor that's called home court advantage. That's called home field advantage. And I don't care what league rules say. This goes back to the old thing. People talk about why is there going to be a Super Bowl in New York City? What if it snows? That will corrupt the game. Mm-hmm. Says who? Why? I mean, these teams that play their games, especially in December and January, the Packers, the Bears, the Steelers, and so on, that play. And, and, in fact, build their teams, oftentimes at least, around the notion that we're going to have to play tight games and, and have to run the ball. That's historically been true, at least. Why suddenly they have to go and play Southern-style football? They're at a disadvantage. Why, uh, what's the difference there? I, I, I reject that. No, I say, no there's, there's no disadvantage. It. It's a home field advantage. That's what it is. If you, no can, disadv- if you can give yourself an advantage by soaking the field up, letting the grass gr- grow long, I say do it. There's no advantage to playing indoors when both teams are playing. No, that's wrong. Because if that's, a team is constructed, to pl- if a team is constructed to play on a fast track because they if play all their team, games. If you have a team that pounds the football, you can still pound the football inside no, a dome. There is yes. a distinct advantage. True, <clears throat> Elliot Harrison. I, I I definitely agree with you, but I wanted to get one thing on the uh, Peyton Manning before we move on from yes. that because we're all going to be talking Peyton Manning while we're in I'm Indianapolis. Sure we are. He doesn't end up with the Jets. Not in my mind. No, I, I don't see it happening. They owe him a $28 million roster They wouldn't be bonus. able to pay him. I completely yeah. agree. Okay. The only way a team's going to be able to get him is if Peyton Manning agrees to restructure his contract so that that team can afford to absorb the responsibility. The, the salary cap's $125 million this year. $28 million is a huge portion of one twenty. Yeah, but the you Colts can opt easy? out of that. Yeah, yeah you don't, you okay. don't think that's – The Colts Peyton, are opting out. On. There's no way they're going to be able to I understand. So I think Peyton Manning, and I talked to Steve Weish about this yesterday, I think that Peyton Manning – can orchestrate his departure where he gets cut, where he gets released. That way he can determine where he ends up. Because once he's out on the street released, then he can decide, hey, I want to go to this team that has this offensive coordinator and plays this style of game. He's not going to want to be traded to a team. He's not going to restructure his contract so the Jets can trade him to whoever – I mean the Colts can trade him to whoever they want to. Peyton Manning at this stage of his career, he's going to want to go where he wants to go. And he's going to want to play indoors, and he's going to go to a team like the Cardinals. Yeah, Ursay is definitely not going to repress him and keep him from going where he wants to go. But, of course, that is all fantasy conversation. It's a fun uh, – it, it really is fun barroom conversation because we have no, uh, no way of knowing – if and doctors have no way of knowing if the nerve is going to regenerate itself in the in the tricep, so it, this is all conjecture. Let's talk about you know, well, uh, like I say, and follow us on Twitter 
at NFLcom Live. Get on there now because we'll be tweeting from there all next week. And uh, and uh, Jason Smith also, by the way, NFL.com. Cool feature. When does that get going there? Your where are they now feature? Uh, starting Monday, we're going to profile a, a different Super Bowl hero from uh, every all five days of the week. We're going to talk about David Tyree set up. Larry Brown is set up for one of the days. Uh, I think we're going to have Dexter Jackson also in the mix. Willie Galt also is set to uh, to be on. So we're going to have a different guy Larry for a big Brown. Super Bowl. Where are they now? I'll tell you what. I talked I to Larry like Brown. I, well, I know you don't My like him because he broke your heart. My first was the old Redskins running back. That, it took me a second. I'm like, oh, Timmy yeah, Larry Smith? Brown. No, oh, Larry Brown. No. You know, it's, it's funny because when, when I talked to him, he said that, uh, you know, as far as Super Bowl goes, he won. His whole life was, you know, when he, when he was a rookie, started for the Cowboys. His first Super Bowl was in the Rose Bowl. He's from Los Angeles. Uh, Michael Jackson was his favorite recording artist, and he performed at halftime of the first game. He had a really charmed life, and he didn't really realize what the Super Bowl meant in, on, on the football field. He had a charmed life, and he didn't really realize what the Super Bowl meant until he was covering the game as a broadcaster years later. And when he was playing for the uh, – when he was covering the Super Bowl in 2003 – he was assigned to cover the losing locker room, and he said, I didn't really get what the game was all about until I went into the Panthers' locker room and saw the faces and saw what they were like, and I realized this is what the game is all about. For a guy did nothing but win, it takes until his playing career is done and he's a broadcaster to go, oh, wow, this is really a much bigger deal. Yeah, he was games on the are Raiders. Lot, he knows what losing's about. The games are a lot <laughs> tougher when the uh, when the opposing quarterback doesn't uh, come up to you and, and hand you the football twice. Really? So that you oh, that was Andre MVP. Hastings. That was Andre Hastings What's on that, that like? was his fault on that last pick. What's that like, Dave? Like your quarterback's driving him to a winning score and then throws an interception <laughs> deep in the territory. I think you're stretching it by comparing Vince Ferragamo. Am I? To, uh, Am I? Yes. Not at all. I think you are. I Not think you are. at all. Um, you still blame Neil O'Donnell for that pick, Larry Brown, when Andre Hastings ran the wrong route? Andre, listen, he is a, a professional quarterback in the Super Bowl. He needs to be able to have enough physical ability to pull down that football and not let go of it when the when the when his wide receiver breaks in the wrong way. He should have been able to eat that football in some way. He should have been able to throw that thing into the turf. There's no reason he needs to let that thing fly. I know it's bang bang, but there should be enough physical ability of uh, on the starting quarterback of a Super Bowl team to sling that thing into the ground to pull off that throw enough that it doesn't go right into the arms of Larry Brown. You know, there's no, yeah, there's no question the Steelers were winning the second half of that game, Super Bowl 30. That said, you know, you, it's very hard to take one play out of the context of a game and say, okay, had this not happened, they would have won. You know, like had Lee Evans caught that ball or had Billy Cundiff made the field goal, they don't, they don't win that game, it ties the game. The Larry Brown play, yes, the Steelers were winning the second half, and yes, they could have, in theory, driven down the field. But you forget the talent that Dallas had on that defense. And not, I don't mean just Charles Haley and Deion Sanders. I'm talking about Darren Smith, the linebacker, Tony Tolbert, Darren Woodson. Any one of those guys could have made – I remember Scott Absolutely. Case laying wood that entire game. So I don't think the Steelers win if he doesn't throw that interception. I feel like that's always – I think a, what they do is what I sincerely believe is just based on the way that season had gone for that the Steelers team, they were in – they were in – tight affairs all all season long. They were in position. This is the way they played. I absolutely think that that would have been the first overtime game in Super Bowl history. I think that they would have gone down the field and at least gotten three out of it. Norm Johnson kicks them into, into the overtime. That was That's my feeling. But a good transition then to talk about single plays because, like I say, I feel like for all of time, we'll be hard-pressed to ever see a single playoff Sunday with iconic moments of – guys blowing plays blowing uh trips to the super bowl for their for their teams and as much as uh you know listen i thought ray lewis i have to say ray lewis his handling of it the things he said taking the pressure off of of um billy cunda uh, off of uh, don't blame billy cunda for this when he's as long in the tooth as he is he really might be done he might never get this close again for him to be uh to be that good a guy about it and to sort of uh take all the pressure off of cunda was a good deed as Patrick Willis was with the 49ers, but they're lying. That's the point. <laughs> of course it's on those guys. Of course. Uh, there's no, there's no, this is on freaking Billy Cundiff. Yeah, it is on Billy Cundiff. Well, so it's not, it's but, also easier to it's, blame kickers than it is to blame a guy who's Cundiff's on the field, field for most of the game. Cundiff's field goal would have only tied the game. I know. And I submit yeah. to you this. If you watch that game. Well, let me just say before you say this, I would like to say, here's what we should do. Let's rank the three misdeeds in order of significance, who is the biggest GOAT out of the three of Lee Evans, Billy Cundiff, Kyle Williams, now proceed, EH. I, I would go Kyle Williams, one, most egregious, Billy Cundiff, two, and Lee Evans, three. 
Lee Evans would have won the game definitely. He would have another no half a argument. second, another half a second, the, and that's to me catch. that's not a drop. That's a great play yeah. by a defender. I mean, he and he, you're an NFL player. You're supposed to make great plays. You're a receiver. You're supposed to catch the ball. That would have won the game. We're still speculating whether San Francisco still would have won that game. Cundiff's kick, as you said, only would have tied it. Mm-hmm. Lee Evans is the only one where we know definitively that would have won the game. Yeah, I, I, I understand your point, but I also have seen time and time again Lawrence Taylor come around the end and swat the ball out of a quarterback's hands. Or DeMarcus Ware do the same thing. Or Dwight Freeney. That was the same play. you know. And when you see it in slow motion, you're like, oh my God, he dropped the ball. That play happened in about one-third of a second. He got his hands on the ball, and boom, the ball was knocked out. I know it was can, not an egregious I know, drop I know, right I know you hands. can pick it apart in super slow-mo, which I have. But boy, it looks like the he's got the ball forever. <laughs> but the but but the but the fact is, and I know it's it's it is bang bang really. But Lee Evans, and it is a fine play by the DB. You can palpably see Lee Evans catches the ball, and as he turns away from the defender, you can see him let up. And and what I really think is is that he is ready to turn to the crowd and show the football and celebrate the moment instead of just taking an extra half a beat to really wrap that thing up. As he turns from the defender, he thinks he's alone. He lets up ever so slightly, and that opens the window for the ball to get knocked out of his hands. That being said, that's only third on my list because it was so bang-bang and it is a good play. I go, Kyle Williams is the worst but he's the backup, so it's hard to, to 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 scold him for those misdeeds when he's not the guy who should have been back there. Billy Cundiff, thirty-two yards from a historical perspective, and EH, you love the history. We, I, I think, all four of us—that's what we uh, have in common. Um, and little else is uh, is <laughs> is the fact that we all love NFL history and we love to yap about and put things into a historical perspective. So, as far as that goes. I think Cundiff's miss is nothing less than the biggest missed kick, the worst missed kick in NFL playoff history. Gary Anderson's kick in the 98 playoffs against the Falcons would have put the game away. But at that point, they're up seven, He's and it's a 38-yarder in a dome, and he should have made it. But that – but. It's at least that game – the game's not on the line in his brain at that point. This salts yeah. it away. I think the Vanderjack kick is the only thing that's comparable to that, but that was a longer kick. That's 41 yards in the five playoffs against the Steelers that would have forced an overtime. I think the Scott Norwood thing, Rank and I have talked about this what extensively. What about Jet Steelers, 2004? Those are the, that, the field is so crummy. It's it was uh, it's hard to hold Doug Bryan. Yeah, Doug and Ryan, we yeah. settled for those fields. We settled for that's trying right. to kick two. Even though in the history, history of the field, no no enemy kicker had kicked a field goal that long in the history of Heinz Field, and we and the Jets settled for we're going to try two 45-yard field goals. Completely uh, agree with by that. By the way, that you, was can wrong. Say, you can say we here, too, by the way. Uh, we won't scold you for that. No, and, I'm okay because the, the emotion I put into the game, I put in more emotion into watching the Jets than Santonio Holmes does playing, so I feel like I can say we. <laughs> can I respond to you, and, Kyle and, Williams, and, being and, a backup? And, yeah, and, but, and, just, and the other one that I think is the most overrated GOAT moment in Super Bowl history, certainly, is Scott Norwood's miss? That's a forty-seven-yard field goal off grass. That's a comb- I, I, to me the idea that that he's the goat of that he's the Bill Buckner of NFL history is out of line. Well, by the way, Bill Buckner shouldn't even be the Bill Buckner. It should be Bob Stanley or Rich Gedman, who's remembered from that eighty-six World Series more than uh, than uh, than Buckner is. I mean, but anyway, but yes, Cundiff thirty-two yards, force overtime, or don't go to the Super Bowl and the and the and the just. Pull it the way he did. The wor- I'm saying it. It sounds like hyperbole. The worst kick, the worst miss in NFL playoffs. But when you talk about Kyle Williams, which one are you talking about? Because he had two egregious to misses. To me, it's, it's, yeah, it's the first one for me because the second one I felt like in overtime, look at the way the game was going. The Niners, we could be playing now and the Niners weren't going to score. They were done. Yep. Alex Smith was throwing balls that were 10 feet away from wide receivers. They weren't. I think all Williams' second fumble did was hasten the inevitable outcome because the Giants were starting to run the football a little bit. Ahmad Bradshaw was breaking off six and seven yard runs. It, it just hastened the inevitable, which was a Tynes field goal. But that first one, Stay away from the football. That's the thing about punt returners. You, if you can, if you're a punt returner, I don't care how far you take it. But if you're a punt returner who will always go forward and you'll never let the ball hit the ground, 
That's what you need in a good punt returner. And yes, Williams is a backup, but you got to know I'm staying away from this football. That's no, the first thing no the special teams coach there. tells you. He had no if you reason. can't catch it, stay away from it. Okay, coach. And then, you know. He wasn't what, even what trying happens. to catch it. That's no. the whole thing. It actually gave him a pretty good hop if he wanted to catch it and run. Yeah. He was scared. He was scared. Or he was not. He changed he his mind. Tentative. He, he changed yeah. his yeah. mind. He's very tentative. Let me throw this out at you. If you were sick and I had to come in and do the Dave Damashek podcast, I wouldn't come in and try to run the show. I'd let Adam and Jason be the stars and be my analysts, and I would just try to drive the bus. I think that's what you do as a, as a young uh, backup. Kyle Williams came in there. He was trying to make a play all the time. And sometimes you got to know, it's just like Bill Parcells used to always say, sometimes you just got to know the value of a two-yard run. Instead of dancing around back there, trying to hit a home run every time, sometimes you just need to hit the crease and take it. Sometimes you just need to fair catch the ball or you just need to let it go. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I wonder, first of all, if he's down. a pathological liar that, you know, the ball hits him in the knee clearly. Yes. And his, even he, the guy, like he the doesn't even turn. The guy, there, there's some yeah. pathology in yeah, his like, brain. Oh, that, I'm going to go out. No, then I back off. Yeah, I'm guys go usually, and then I don't. most guys the usually, they, they, you can see in the background pointing, like, get the they ball. Feel, the, most people who feel that on their knee, they have a moment of like, wait, should I? Should I go after that or should I pretend like I didn't do it? And you can feel that. You can see that register in tenths of a second. To him, he never even turned for the football. He's like, didn't touch me. But it, but it did touch you, man. What You don't even look to see. Maybe should I get nah, yeah. uh, uh, No, nah, I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. He knows there's miss- replay, right? That eventually <laughs> they're going to look not. back and, and see he, if the ball hit his knee or not. Apparently and then he, he tries not. to sell it with the, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah, it yeah. hit you. But we're missing, yeah. we're missing a couple of goats here. First of all, Ed Hockley. We have a rule in the NFL because your crew blows the whistle way too early. Good point. That Ahmad Bradshaw thing was egregious. Jim Harbaugh said it is likened to the tuck rule. I tend to agree with him on that. I tend to agree with him on that, but the two biggest biggest goats are the Harbaugh brothers themselves because after Kyle Williams makes the mistake the first time, you tell him. Do not try to run the ball back. The, the ground is slippery. They're used. They're, I don't no, know. Stop I, no. I, I, I'm a little, I, you know, I don't agree you with know, you and EH. I feel like if you have a guy back there, especially the way the Niners have played, and I know it's not about turning the ball over, but there, that's a tough spot to say to a guy with a Super Bowl trip on the line, don't go out there to make plays. That seems, that seems like a tough message to deliver. You know what your play is? Fair catch it. And then we're going to start yeah, our I know. It's, it, it, I it's think, like the Raiders used to do this when Tim Brown was in the later part of his career. I do think career. Harbaugh screwed it up. John Just, Harbaugh screwed up the Ravens a little bit more. Yes, and you had to call. he had to call a timeout because he saw Billy Cundiff running out there at the last second. And the whole thing, though, actually I would blame Jason Garrett there because his whole icing the kicker thing probably played in his mind a little bit. Like, That's right. Oh, I'm going to let him run. And the, but, oh, man, he should have called the timeout right, Everyone there. who says he should have called the timeout is applying 2020 hindsight. And so after Cundiff misses the kick, he should have called the timeout. If he calls timeout and Cundiff misses that kick, then, then it's his fault. I was Jason yeah. G- I, mean, I, I don't think there's any way you – I mean, only with hindsight could you say he should have called that timeout because – Well, it, I have hindsight, and I'm saying he should have called it. But at shed. the time, if you would have been hanging out at the bar with me, I was there saying, timeout, what's he doing? He's running in. I don't know what he was doing on the sideline. You know, one thing that's interesting to me about that game – is I, I just did the Ravens exit interview for NFL.com and I got hammered by Ravens fans because I was critical of Joe oh, Flacco. Good. They took they, they uh, you distracted them from hammering me oh, as they, they have for the last uh, four they months. They are the most vocal fan base I think of the thirty two teams, but they uh, they hammered me for getting on Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, you look at it statistically, he had a nice game, but there were two bombs to Torrey Smith that he missed on. One Torrey Smith caught he caught in a sliding manner. It was a rollout. If Flacco stops, plants his front foot, and delivers an on-time ball, it's a touchdown. But he instead, he makes Smith slow up and have to dive for the ball, and they only get a field goal on that drive. That was a sure touchdown. Of course, the announcing team says, oh, you know, it's a great play, you know, whatever, 40 yards. And I'm like, that's not a great play. Tony Romo makes that play. He is killed in the media. You've got to deliver that ball out in front of your receiver and get a touchdown. Then he had a bomb later in the game. Where he had Torrey Smith wide open mm-hmm. and he overthrew him, and those were two yeah, but huge that wasn't what. I, if I'm remembering the play you're talking Torrey about, that Smith, was right no, before no. the end of Torrey the half. Smith, he, kept, he, he takes a hit though as he releases the ball, and that's why it sailed on him. But now right? Torrey the, Smith, he, he hesitates on his route. Torrey Smith, if you watch the replay, Torrey Smith hesitates on his route, goes away, and then he. I think he sailed he that running, second one. I think yeah. he took a hit as he releases it. But if, I, I hear what you're saying. The bit, the the bigger whiff, as far as I'm concerned, from Joe Flacco was at the end of the third period. 
He rolls to his left, and he forces the ball to, I think it was uh, to Pitta, but maybe it was Ed Dixon, covered in the end zone. And in the flat is Vontae Leach, as far as I am from UEH, which is about four feet away. And at the very least, Leach catches that ball, turns, and, and gets it down to the four. Their first and goal at the four going into the fourth period there. Instead, he throws an incomplete pass. They kick a field goal. They're only up four there. That's a, That was a massive play. Now, the second the, – the And Flacco, Leach is jumping up and down. You see him like, why didn't you see me? And that's Flacco's thing. Yeah. He misses too many plays. There was other plays other than that where they show, here's Flacco, and, and they'll show like the you know the behind Flacco angle. Here he is completing this pass as it goes down. And you sometimes see receivers that are cutting over the middle 15, 20 yards downfield that he just doesn't see. He he doesn't see where to go with the football, where the best place is all the time. He's talented enough where I can get the football where I need to, but in, he's got to see where, hey, I can get this play for 25 yards instead of, well, this is where I'm going so I can get eight yards. That's the thing with Flacco. He missed a lot of those plays. Yeah, I agree. And then the interception with seven minutes to go was an atrocious ball. But on the other hand, Tom Brady gives it right back with uh, horrible with the, play. Even worse pass. Ball. That's yeah, even a worse pass. But a dynamite play, though, by Jimmy Smith. And and, and Bernard Pollard, the uh, – the, uh, uh, you know he's definitely uh, not. He's unpatriotic, as I call him in the in the, the shame report this week, which is now up after a day delay on NFL. dot com. I encourage you to check it out. Well, there are legal but, legal things we had to make sure before yes. that we got. Up yeah, there well, yet. listen. Yeah, sometimes there are <laughs> editorial differences between me and Kamish Goodell, and we have to hammer those out before we share the shame report. Sometimes. Speaking, of, speaking of editorial differences, I want to get you guys' take on something with the Forty ers losing that game. I felt like the NFL really lost out because I completely agree. Go ahead. With as a league, we all lost out. All of us, Jason, Adam, you, uh, you being Dave, it's the way the NFL is set up now. It has become a nerf football. Put the ball up sixty times a game. Receivers are no longer afraid to go over the middle. I mean, gosh, how many crossing routes do the Giants and Patriots run? I mean, the Patriots they do all their damage inside the numbers with their tight ends, and so. Back in 85 or 95 or maybe even 2000, you couldn't do that. You couldn't just run over the middle and, and feel safe about it and run your offense that way. And had the 49ers won, it would have given us a team that actually plays defense, that plays within the rules, but can suffocate offenses. Instead, what I'm afraid of is every team is going to copy this Detroit Lions blueprint, and we're going to have five or six 5,000-yard passers every year. The running game is going to be legislated out of the game, and defensive backs can't play. And it really bothered me. That's what bothered me the most out of that game is the style of football the 49ers play is now gone. I, can't, you know, I, you know, I, I one, agree with you. And let me also say this to you. That there, there are a lot of people that are beaten up. We just uh, did a little bit of bashing of Joe Flacco there. But I think over the course of the game, you would say that he outplayed Tom Brady. And if you could have that as a Ravens fan, you would take that going into the game. But when it comes to the Niners, a lot of people are beating up Alex Smith. You mentioned him, and he didn't have a very good day, and that maybe they were slinging the ball too much. But to EH's point, when they get the ball, if Kyle Williams doesn't have the ball hit his knee, at that moment in the game, that that's where they would have played the way the Niners have played all year, which is to say they would have started grinding Frank Gore. I bet they would have just started pounding that Giants defense with Gore, Gore, more Gore, playing field position, punt it deep, and pin him down. I bet that, I, that would have that's been the a, end of the game right there. That's an optimistic outlook because what I they would have done, think, that that would, I think that's how the game would have played Alex out. Alex Smith would have dropped back to throw two passes, would have missed horribly. I'm saying they, they would have dumped the ball off on third down and they would have punted. That's look at exactly what Eli, what look at Eli's numbers. As much praise as Eli has gotten, look up Eli's numbers in the second half of that game in the overtime. Not it was good. Punt, They're beating punt, him up. Punt, but that, punt. The see, one but touchdown is on that turnover. Big time throw on third and 15 after that turnover. But if you if you take that out of the equation without the Kyle Williams turnover there, I think the Niners have their way no, the rest of the game. I think you're right, diminishing what the Giants are doing on defense because they are playing good on defense. When you look at these teams, the Packers got away with not playing defense last year. But look at it now. The Packers aren't in the playoffs anymore. The Saints aren't there. The Lions aren't there. The Giants are there because they can play defense. So I don't necessarily agree with the, the notion that they're not playing defense. They're not making the big hits that the 49ers are playing. But remember, that 49ers style also gives up a lot of big plays, as you remember when they were playing the Saints. These guys go for haymaker, you know, knockout punches. Jimmy Graham runs for a 60-yard touchdown. So the Giants are still playing good defense. They're playing better recently because Ahmad Bradshaw can run the ball. So I feel that it's not the smash mouth. It's just not as ugly. It's just because Eli Manning's a better quarterback than Alex Smith that it takes away of that. They, they are playing that grind-out style. 
and they can play the defense. So I think that I get it. You know, it would have been nice to see a, a completely different contrast in style. I do like the notion of you have a team with a bad quarterback and a good defense. Can they actually win against a team like Tom Brady? That would have been absolutely fun. I agree with that point. But I think we're selling the Giants a little bit short if we're if we don't acknowledge that they're it's nine their defense and seven. Them. Yeah, I think it, that I think happens. He, but I, I think you got to give Jim Harbaugh a lot of criticism too, because look at what happened. You go a week ago where Alex Smith goes for two touchdowns, the final couple of minutes, and he throws those big plays, and he becomes Alex Smith. Throws that final pass to Vernon Davis, and I think San Francisco got a little bit enraptured, and hey, now we can throw the football like that, and they got away from what got them there all season long, which is mm-hmm. pounding Frank Gore. Frank Gore was running the football I, every time he got. I said, he looks like a guy that says, I am going to the Super Bowl, and they were successful at it. But because you get wrapped up and we can throw the football, even as bad as Alex Smith was, look at their touchdowns. They were big plays, and you get you get caught up, and we just need one big play, and we're going to do this one big play. And that's what happened to San Francisco. They got away from what they did the best, and that's why they lost. They asked their defense to do way too much at the end. Look, when they got the ball back with a minute 47 left, what, 11 seconds went off the clock before they punted it right back to the Giants? That's, I mean, not that you can run the football there, but that just shows you they're ill-equipped to do something like that because that's not who they are. You know, Dave, I brought this up because you mentioned Commissioner Goodell and you being at odds with him. Well, I, I'd like to talk to Rich McKay, head of the competition committee, because uh, I see too much holding, which is the, the old clasp your hands around the lineman, but don't grip the jersey and you get away with that. They don't let the secondary play against the Saints, the 49ers. Y- you know, you bump Jimmy Graham at all, you're going to get called for automatic first down. These hits that, that we're so concerned about player safety, what people don't realize is the offshoot of that is that they extend drives, which means that then the quarterback puts up 50 more yards passing and another touchdown. What do we have, three guys go over 5,000 yards passing this year? You know, when we were all growing up, we could probably name, all of us, 10 guys in the NFL in the 80s that impacted a game on the defensive side of the ball. Would it be Singletary, Lawrence Taylor, Ronnie Lott? You guys could all name 10 guys. How many guys affect a game now defensively? Jared Allen had 22 sacks this year. He it didn't affect the game at all. About, yeah, you, it, it, there, there are one, uh, literally maybe one or two corners that legitimately Revis. can take a, a receiver out of the game that affect it, and then pass rushers like Ware affect games. and outside. You know, actually, I'll tell you one, Vince Wilfork. He's the reason that the Patriots are in the Super Bowl more than Brady or Welker or those tight ends based on the title game. Vince Wilfork was dominant in Wait, that game. He, bigger, I mean, the push he got all game long. He was in the backfield the whole time. That big, fat, this morbidly obese man is the right. reason. All these pretty boys on offense for the Patriots, Vince Wilfork's the reason they got there. Wilfork or Jason Pierre-Paul, who's affected games more and gotten well, the team more? Yeah, I mean, I, Pierre-Paul, I'll I mean, not the choose. I, they both, yeah, they're both just uh, been absolutely dominant. But, you know, EH, you say the matchup is we missed out with the 49ers. Again, historically, I love the idea. Well, I don't. I know everybody finds it charming to see a rematch between these two teams. That you know, with the undefeated season on the line, Tyree and all that. All right, fine. I guess. First of all, I don't love a nine and seven team. I'm somebody who likes a meritocracy, and this is no meritocracy. We watch a whole NFC season with these dominant teams: the Niners, thirteen and three; the Saints, thirteen and three; and the fifteen and one Packers. And none of them are in the Super Bowl. Let's make what, it like the, what's, let's, what's let's the make... value of the of the regular season now? A nine and seven team that really, if it weren't for Jason Garrett, literally, Jason Garrett maybe doesn't ice the kicker. Jason Pierre-Paul, who you mentioned, if he doesn't block that kick, the Cowboys. Boys probably get into the playoffs over those Giants. They're not even in this nine and seven team. This fringy team is now in the Super Bowl. I, I don't love idea. that, but I also love the storyline of what we're doing now. We're talking about obviously title game, but all next week we're going to be talking Brady and Eli and all that kind of stuff, and it's fun to discuss. But also, wouldn't it be more fun to be talking about two of the all-time organizations? Uh, you know, the the twenty first, the, the team of the twenty first century, whether you like it or not is the Patriots, and I definitely don't like that. But the, and, and then against the greatest team of the 80s, one of the iconic teams in NFL history, the Niners, just that matchup sounds better to me than the, than the one we've got going here. I don't love the matchup, totally I have agreed. to admit. And, and I also have to say this, too. I'm not a Baltimore Ravens fan, but if I were, like I started the show with, if I were a Ravens fan or a Niners fan, I would be so sick, especially – as a Niners fan, the way you win all season long, field position, take care of the ball, and everything, to lose a game that way, 
I, it would eat me alive. Yeah. I'd never get over it. I, I, it would really be, it would haunt me for the next 20 years as a fan. You know what we should do? We should have a BCS-style system for the NFL. Well, if that's the way you want it with your little, I, oh, I don't like the 9-17. I don't skinny. like you that. Know what? what do you that's, want me? That's the I way playoffs. Like so you don't like March Madness. You don't like any sort I of thing where teams get said hot. I don't like March Madness. It's fun. It's, I like filling out my brackets, and it's cute when the secretary wins because she picked her teams by the favorite color, by her favorite colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing. It has no relationship with who the best team is. The the, the team that wins is it, it, it has it, it has you know it where I agree. Not speak you know at what, all you know, what, the best you know where is. I agree with you because I agree with you that that's the way it should be in baseball because the season's so yes. long. And you've often said they should go back to the nine-game World Series. Best of nine, two league champs, that's it. I, I know it's not appealing to bringing in the casual fans, but that's right. not what I'm concerned about. You no, want to bring back all the fans who died in 1920. That's right. Okay, very good. I okay. like a meritocracy, <laughs> and I'll not apologize for it. All right, fellas, listen, we're going to have a gay old time in Indianapolis. We're going to go eat steaks at this St. Elmo's joint, which I hear You is know, good. your Steelers won a Super Bowl as the number six seed. So what? And you hated that. You probably were like, you know what? I'm not going to recognize that Super Bowl title because we were a six seed, and that listen, let me fella, you, let me, we didn't deserve to be there. Let me tell you why. I here, here's my rationalization for oh, you. Oh, please. I have, I have a, I have I'm a, sure I, you do. I feel like this is a decent rationalization. Your defensive end was a goon and knocked out Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> How could you put down Chemo? How could you put Chemo down? He was an ex Jet. Yeah, we signed him after uh, long after his uh, after, expiration yeah. date. Yeah. Sure, Sorry, we, we've that done was, that quite a bit. That yeah. was a we have quite a nice history. We have yeah. a nice pipeline of once these guys are, are on the downside. We give you, we gave you Akimo, Fanica, uh, Santonio. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed him coming sure. out the stretch this year. Neil let's Let's cut bait on James Farrier too early and give you him for a decade and let him win three <laughs> yeah, Super Bowls. See, Bowl. that's yeah. worth it. We sure traded is. those five guys yeah. for one James Farrier. That, yeah. That's a good deal. We did give you uh, – uh, Darrell Rivas did come out of Pittsburgh, though. So, okay, so at sure. least you got that going All for right. you. That's nice. Um but uh, yes, we're going to have a wonderful time out there. So let's, but let's make sure we make this point on Twitter at NFLcom Live. Mm-hmm. Follow it there, NFL.com. Look for Jason Smith's "Where Are They Now?" feature. EH is doing, like you mentioned, all these exit interviews for every team. I've been reading. I've read probably four of them now. I don't agree with most. No, I like it very much. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing. And uh, if your team's on the outside looking in here. Um, then that, then you'll enjoy reading those, and then rank, of course, with his pick six nonsense and his like dislike and all all the good stuff out there. All his hooey and applesauce, and then the shame report is uh, is out there. Oh, by the way, also a NFL where I did the alternate universe that we create. What if one play had gone differently? What if David Tyree hadn't caught that football in the Super Bowl? Is coming up sometime next week for you too on NFL.com. So be on the lookout for that. Does that mean Mark Sanchez wins a Super Bowl at some point? It doesn't. David, it, it doesn't. doesn't it really? doesn't work There's out. There's no that way. alternate uh, universe where that will happen. Uh, a couple of things that we have to do here, real quick. Uh, we put it to a poll on Dave Damashek on NFL.com. Uh, we decided to open things up the land of the fox someone was going to gain residency in the land of the fox we opened it up to the to brawny broads of film because mm-hmm. gina carano in you know she's an m what was she an mma girl or UFC. something UFC. i don't know what about this nonsense so i don't find her all that foxy and now she's the you know she's the star of uh I don't even remember the this name. This is a of Steven Soderbergh movie, and she's the NMA I know it's girl. weird. A star I, what's it called? Soderberg Untimed movie. or something? Unleashed? Un, I don't know what. Anyway, unhinged. Unhinged. I don't know. So I don't find her that foxy. We opened it up to a poll. Haywire. Said, Haywire. I said, "What about Sharon Stone in Total Recall? She's foxier. You know, I'm oh, talking yeah. about women that fight in movies. Uma Thurman nah, in Kill Bill. Uh, Lucy Law, uh, not Lucy Lawless. Uh, Lucy Liu." Uh, I threw out Kelly Hugh. What about the girl X-Men in uh, Two? What about the girl in Urban Cowboy? Didn't she throw a few uh, <laughs> punches at uh, uh, no, at, no, no, uh, that other Scott girl, Glenn? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, how about uh, Gina Davis in Long Kiss Goodnight when she played the oh, um, yeah. assassin and she didn't know who she was? That scene at the end where she actually on a bridge she shoots a car down from a rope and shoots her way up on the rope and grabs a gun off a guy who's on fire and kills the bad guy. I saw that, and I said that's the greatest stunt. I've ever seen in a movie ever, and it was a woman doing it. That was I, awesome. Yeah, except that I don't. I, this Gina Davis thing, she never spoke to me. I don't think she's foxy. I, I, she never all. did it to me. At her very best, she was never foxy. I saw her Not in even League once. of Her Own. She's like six one. Oh yeah, she in League fun. of Her Own, did I find her foxy? Yeah. 
when she's playing ball? No, yeah, I didn't. Find that? What about no. Sandra Locke at the end of Every Which Way But Loose when she just keeps <laughs> slugging Clint Eastwood and he doesn't fight back? <laughs> Sandra Locke, could, that's a great sing. call. One of the worst actors ever, but but gets kissed into the at least two or three Every which way Eastwood but pictures because she happens to Every be laying down with them. She was the one doing the kissing, yes. <laughs> Is that what you call it? Yes. All right, keep yes. Bless. Sharon don't, Stone, keep, though, yeah. I don't want, I don't want your buddy Kamish Goodell coming in and well, you know, stopping this like it's the shame report. I opened it up. Oh, and then I do have to ask one more thing before we finish up here. But uh, I, I did. So we opened it up uh, to the poll, to the Czech Republic, and to the rank amateurs. And much to my chagrin, congratulations, Gina Carano. You're the newest resident wow. of the land of the fox. Wow. care for that but listen it is a uh, this is a democracy and i should be uh, you know what why should it be though why don't i why i should be uh, a totalitarian i should just say i reject your ideas people and i'm going to do this what do we think about this though rank is actually still voting at this point now now you know why gina carano won he's just saying send 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 let send. me uh let me ask you this uh ethical question fellas i think we need to really create some hard and fast rules around 21st century technology. I went to Las Vegas. I caught up with some of my chums uh-huh. in uh, from uh, from the Midwest, from Chicago and uh, from college um, and to, to for to watch the uh, to watch the title games. And I booked my flight. I did it poorly. I booked it a month out. I booked mm-hmm. it for 730 p.m. leaving, which meant on Sunday night, right, which meant me missing the fourth quarter in overtime of the San Francisco game. Now, I was upset about this. I couldn't believe I had to leave the good times. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, well, at least I have a DVR at home and I'll see it. I just have to, you know, put the blinders on and miss it. And as I'm getting off my flight in Burbank, California, the flight attendant says, by the way, the Giants won in overtime oh, with a field no, goal. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, wow. Is yeah. that wrong? That's what she I mean, should... I, I understand. I remember some charming moments growing up of, of that, like people, the pilot giving updates on big-time games where you yeah. happen to be traveling and thinking, oh, this is kind of fun. But now that, like we a... have, now that we have DVR and now that we have we – should we have the ability to go back and watch the game? Don't, they, don't we have to create a new morality and ethical, uh, ethical code here? For, you can't give no, scores. You I can't just throw you. out – don't tweet me. If you're my friend, don't tweet me about my team playing. Did you just see that goal? Did you just see that touchdown? Don't no, no, no. Do you can't that. do it because you don't know. And particularly, I have children. You don't know where they, wh- what I'm doing at any given time. Just lay off. Give me. Do we need like a three-hour waiting period? Here's what I want for my Southwest Airlines air hostesses. Bad jokes and bring the drinks. Worse songs. And also, yeah. also, this is on you. For choosing a seven three, even I, you, eat, know, you, you know, it's all mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. It should have been. You should have come back Touché. on Monday morning. You're, you're the Lee Evans in this, and she's yeah, Billy you, Cundiff. You are the one who needed like to that, make yeah. the play. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And here's the other I, thing too: is that is it if you know in the seventies, eighties, it was great when they would do. Oh, this is what happened. But if I want to know, I'll turn my cell phone on and I'll click internet and I'll I'll see the score. I'll see That's what right. I want. The, no, right you know, the, right. no, the whole notion of going up to somebody now and be like, "Hey, man, did you catch the score of the game?" Like, yes, everybody has the technology at your fingertips to, 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 know, to know the score of the game. That, it's a question that's been erased from our vernacular. Yeah, I, I want to comp- be able to see Sean Landetta whiff on a punt in the playoff game live. I don't want to hear about it from somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm right there with you. And I, worst I, case, I, I could have DV- I had I could have gone into the privacy of my home and enjoyed the game and watched it as though it were new. But no, it was ruined for me by that wiseacre flight attendant. I think with sports, you have to go with um, the next morning, if you don't, if you don't know by the by the next morning, then okay, it's not. If it's something like a TV show, like a season finale, I think it's twenty four hours. Like I'll it, sign it into law. Know, yeah, I'll sign that into law. Of, a lot of it comes down to you too, because you know, like I'll tape Monday Night Raw, so I won't go uh, on Twitter to have it spoiled. No, even if you're not taping it, because it's on an I East know, Coast we feed, don't, we don't get wrestling. it. We don't. No, no. But I'm just saying that's something that we don't get live. So if you okay, I'll say it's Dexter. Okay, let's say it's Dexter. Even though, because I'm going to watch it on the West Coast at 9 o'clock, I know I can't be on Twitter. I can't be on yeah. – I can't even look at my phone because people on the East Coast are watching it at 6 o'clock our time being like, oh, my God, Deb walks in on Dexter. 
No, I, I, the know, world needs right. to threw bend. Me off there, because you, th- you said it's it's up to you too, and I was like, what does the edge have to do with any of this? You know? <laughs> no, I want the world to bend <laughs> to my will and my needs. All right, last thing is we honor each episode uh, by uh, by talking about the by uh, honoring the player who wore that number best, not just in NFL but in sports history. Number forty nine. Sadly, ironic for forty ers fans. There is no forty er Earl Cooper. Well, I guess we could put – what's that? Earl Cooper wore 49. Oh, yeah, good call. And, and yeah. you know, they had a Pro Bowl safety named Jeff Fuller who had to retire early because of a neck injury. Well, okay, that? those are those are out there. I don't think they're the greatest number Tony 49. Page. Tony Page. Tony Page. Fullback for the Jets. He Tony one Richardson. Tony sure. Richardson also wore the 49 for, those, uh, for the Chiefs. Good player. Bobby Mitchell. Dennis Smith was a good but not uh, Hall of Fame safety That's a great one, though. for the Broncos. Dwayne pull. Woodruff was a good uh, corner slash safety for the Steelers. Um, wears, I think, two rings. I believe he wear, he has uh, two Super Bowl rings. But it's got to be Gator Gidry, right? Yeah, Ron Gidry. Ron sure. Gidry. Yeah. Best, Louisiana uh, Lightning. We yeah. were also talking, is he the best pitcher that we saw growing up? Uh, I guess we're all uh, roughly the same I know age what, here. I know what he's going to say. I think it's Lefty Carlton, right? Lefty Carlton was better than Gator Gidry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gidry, Gidry had a couple of really great years. He had that 125 and three year. He had 18 strikeouts in the game, I think. He was good, but he, he, he wasn't Tom Seaver. I'm a I was going to say, where's back. your Tom Seaver? You knew I was going to say was. Tom yeah, Seaver. Of course. Where was I for Podcast 41 when you no, did 41s? Right. Where was I for that? I'm a hair younger than you guys, but the first dominating season. You said you were hairy younger than I, we I'm are? hairy. I've got, okay. I've got the hamburger going, but uh, Dwight Gooden in 1985 went, I think, 24 and four with mm-hmm. a 153 ERA, mm-hmm. and it was just. And I was just getting into baseball, so I thought, wow, this is what <laughs> pitchers are like. And then you never saw a season like that again. Although Hershiser had that, what was it, 59? 59, 59 consecutive. I, yeah, I contend, Rank and I have talked about that. That is, uh, to me, the, the most, most impressive. Uh, yeah, most underrated. It's the most underrated record, record that's going to be hard to break consecutive uh, scores. I think it's innings. 59 that's and a amazing. third, too. Um, all right, listen. Hey, can I do a little news of the day, too? What do you mean? I just want to talk a little news of the day. I want to. I want to start a feature called News of the Day. No, no. no oh, come no. on. No, All black right. tie. Black tie says no to that. I'm That's sorry. a he's, joke. He's laying down the law. We didn't even talk Clippers Lakers. I would have loved to have done that. But we'll oh, have the plenty of Clippers time. didn't we'll get have, their chance to win a ring last night. We'll have plenty of uh, time to discuss. Uh, you some guys of that. have made me. Hate All the right, Clippers. we'll talk about it later. <laughs> we'll talk about it next week at NFL. Com Live. I know it's, it's hard Where's to say. Dot? NFL Com Live. We'll find it you when we're in Indianapolis. Wednesday through Friday. If you enjoyed this hooey and applesauce, then uh, there's a lot more where that came of came from. Three hours, Wednesday through Friday. Uh, next week, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time. We'll, uh, we'll yap with you from the Hoosier State. Until then, though, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.